0: Morning, welcome to Gateway, Uh, glad to see all you guys this morning. So a uh, couple announcements real quick. Uh, number one, they were uh, on the announcements uh, video, but uh, uh, we have a, it's called Eat and Greet. It's basically we, we want to welcome uh, some of our newcomers here. Uh, that's in a couple weeks. We've had so many new faces come through the doors in the past uh, six to eight months. So we just want to sit down for a, a, just a meal. And you, you really don't have to do anything except for just show up, eat. And we just, I mean, we'll just have brief conversations with you just to get to know you. And uh, we really worked hard on the title of this event, Eat and Greet. Uh, we had some other ones that, that, that were not very good. We almost went with them. Uh, what was the, oh, the, I forget what the one was. I don't remember, but Steve had the best one, and his was sh- charcuterie for those who are new to me. <laughs> he is super proud of that, and he brings it up at every staff meeting ever. <laughs> Uh, but uh, no, we want to invite you guys to come and, and join us in that. Uh, also, uh, like the video, or the video said, uh, I do uh, do marriage coaching, and someone's like, well, what's the difference between marriage coaching and counseling? Coaching is basically, I'm your athletic trainer, physical trainer for, for your marriage. I give you exercises to do. I give you different things to strengthen your marriage. Uh, and so if you're interested in that, please uh, just contact me via email. And because of that, I'm going to give you a, a marriage wedding joke. So, um, uh, so this young girl, the little girl, she was at her first wedding, and she was sitting beside her mom, and the bride walked out, and she was in awe. And she turned to her mom and said, why does the bride wear white? And the mom said, well, um, everybody, anytime they wear white or they wear a bright color, it means they're full of joy and happiness. And she's like, well, why does the groom have black on then? So... <laughs> Is my wife looking at me right now? Someone, someone yes. tell... Uh, ah, Okay. All right, so every week, I, I tell you, I think about you, and, and I start the, the sermon off with kind of like a Sunday short, and uh, believe it or not, Steve wasn't in here in the first service, and he, he kind of stole mine, which uh, I believe that's the Holy Spirit that uh, uh, put those words on his heart, and uh, uh, it's something I read this week I, I want to give with you before we even start, and it says this, God will make a way. We don't need, need to know how it will happen. We don't, know how, we don't need to know when it will happen. We just need to trust that it will. That's what faith is all about. Keep showing up. Keep moving forward. But most importantly, keep believing. Amen. I read that this week, and uh, first off, it hit me hard, and I wanted to share that with you, that we don't know when, we don't know how. God will make a way, amen? We just need to keep moving forward, keep trusting, and keep believing. So that brings us into our sermon this morning, and uh, we are in Foundations. If you guys have never been here for Foundations, it's our first one of 2024, and uh, the last Sunday of every month, we uh, have the students stay in with us, and we, we touch on a, let's call it we a, a tough topic that we believe that we need to address Because we need to solidify our foundations, which is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. If we don't get that right, we shouldn't even. We we don't. We can't start. But that's what we're doing. Is we're we're getting our foundations set up. And and because there are people out there that are attacking the gospel every day, they're trying to trip you up. They're trying to confuse you. They're they're trying to make you second guess your belief in God. And so that's what the foundations is about. And. We look back on the past couple weeks. We've been in a series that was called The Gospel. And real briefly, this is the summary. The Gospel. Study it, share it, and stand by it. Study the Gospel every day. Share it. People out there, are, they're hungry for the Word of God. They're hungry to hear about the love of Jesus Christ. Share it. Stand beside it. When people try to tip, uh, trip you up, stand strong in your belief of the Gospel. Well, now we're going to move on to our foundations today and we're going to start. There's a lot of groundwork that we need to lay uh, before we get into our foundation. So the foundation is the question we're going to answer today. What is God really like? Well, till we can answer that question, we need to solidify our belief in God. Hebrews eleven six it says this, and without faith, it is impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Some of the takeaways we can take from Hebrews eleven six. Number one is faith is important. Do you believe that? Faith is important. Ephesians two eight says, "For by the grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing, but it is God's." You guys are fantastic. Amazingly talented people. Faith is not done by your works. I believe you guys can do a lot in your life. But you need to have faith in God. And it tells us that faith is important. Because believe it or not, you will fall short. There's things you're going to come up a little short with. This is when you need to have faith in God. You want to try to fix everything, but you can't. You will fall short. You're going to sin, you're going to make uh, poor decisions, you will fall short. Scripture says you'll fall short of the glory of God, and that's why you need to have faith. What else can we take away from Hebrews 11.6? Without faith, you cannot truly believe that God exists. Faith is believing in God when everything in your life is trying to tell you and convince you otherwise. Hebrews 11.6 tells us that. People's going to try to convince you otherwise about your beliefs. The faith is what makes you truly, truly can believe that God exists. And the last one that we take away from this Hebrews verse is, when we seek and serve God earnestly, I am telling you, great things can happen. I pray that you believe that. We are all serving something. We all serve something in our life. Most of the times you either serve the Lord and you know it, Or you serve the devil, and the dangerous part about it is sometimes you never realize it. We serve something. But when we seek and we serve God earnestly, great things can happen. Do you believe that? Do you believe great things are to come because we are God's people and we're serving him wholeheartedly? I believe that things can happen. So before we get into the... the, who God is. We're going to talk about the four basic explanations of the existence of God. We're going to talk about the four basic ones that we all know, but we're going to kind of uh, uh, get into them a little bit. The number one is atheism. Atheism believes that there is no God. And we're going to put a punctuation on all four of these. And, and the first one would be exclamation point. Atheism, atheism they say, there is no God. They do not believe in God. They believe that uh, uh, we are here, ju- we are just here, okay? And, and there's a Russian cosmonaut. He, he orbited the earth in 1961, and when he got back, he said, I have been into space, and I did not see God. There was a pastor, his name was W.A. Criswell, said, if he would have stepped out of that space suit, he would have saw God. <laughs> According to a research that was done in 2022, this was staggering to me. 9% of U.S. citizens claim to be atheists. They claim to say there is no God. There's a lot of people in, in this study, but there's probably a lot that were not in this study. 9% of U.S. citizens believe that there is no God. They believe that we're just here. They believe that the universe spit us out. The earth was the uh, same way that we're all accidents. And I said this in first service, I'm saying it today. If you do not hear anything, anything else that I say today, especially our students, when we look at this belief, they believe that we are an accident. I am telling you today, you are not an accident. You were created on purpose for a purpose. You are created on purpose. Because God has big plans for you. So if you believe that you are an accident, I'm here to tell you right now, I know for a fact you are not. But the first one, that's, they believe that there is no God. And the punctuation we need to put on it is, it's a statement, an exclamation mark. The second one is being agnostic. If you don't know what that means, being agnostic means we, we just don't know. We don't know if there's a God, and so if we have to put a punctuation on it, it's going to be a question mark. We just don't know if there's a God. They, and, and agnostics believe if there is a God, it definitely is not the God that we hear about in the Bible. I'm telling you this today, and I've told you this many and many a times. The scripture is 100% accurate and true. If it says it's, God tells us what he's like through scripture, he's correct. But it says here that they just don't know, they don't know if there's a God. You know, between me and you, I don't want to go around every day questioning and wondering if the greatest thing that has ever happened to me and you truly exists. I don't want to walk around every day second guessing my decision to follow Jesus Christ. I won't do it because it's a dark and scary place when we do that. It's not happening. I'm not doing it. That's what agnostics believe. The next one is the humanism. Humanism believes that God doesn't matter. The only thing that matter is man. Well, I'm here to tell you, if humans are the highest being, y'all, we're in trouble. If humans are the highest being in the universe, it's going to be a long, bumpy road. But that's what they believe. They believe that God doesn't matter. The only thing that matter is man. They believe that humanity is the highest and, and that, that humans can work out their own problems. I don't believe that for a bit. I do believe that we are not the highest being. I do believe that we were never intended to be the highest being. So a punctuation for, for uh, humanism would be a arrow pointing in, saying that we are the greatest thing that has set foot on this planet. We are, we are the creator. That is us. We are in charge of everything. And then it takes us to the last one. Theism. Theism believes that there is an indeed, there is indeed a personal God who created you. That there is a personal God who communicated his word to all of us. This is what I believe. I truly believe that this is what you believe as well. I believe that there is a personal God. Amen. I believe there is a God that knows my name, knows my purpose, knows where I came from. But most importantly, I believe there's a God that knows where I'm going, that he knows the path in front of me. But it is my responsibility to have faith in that path that God is telling me to go down. I believe he is a personal God. Hebrews 11.1 one says this, Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. When you have faith, you cannot just have faith. You need to be confident in what you're having faith in. You have to be confident in God. It's not just enough to have faith. You need to be confident in that faith. But most importantly, and this is one we struggle with the most, and I can say this with great confidence, but we have to have the same faith in the unknown as you do the known. But we struggle with this. I'm a visual person. I always have been, always will be. I have to, I want to see things. When I learn, I have to learn by by looking at visual things. But it says here, you need to have the same faith in the unknown as you do the known. That's the hardest part. So if there's a punctuation for theism, it would be an arrow pointing up. And that's the sign we all need to look for. We need to look up. Now, what is God really like? All that to bring us to, we believe in the existence of God. We believe that God is a personal God. So what, if God is a personal God, what is he really like? If you guys have your Bibles, we're going to be in Romans 1, 18 through 20. And it says this, it says, The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. 19 says, since what may be known about God is plain to them, because God has made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power, and his divine nature have clearly been seen, being understood from what has been made, so that the people are without excuse. There is no excuse to not believe in God. It says right here, it says that we can look and we can see his eternal power. We can see his divine nature. We look and we can, and God has these invisible qualities, but if you look hard enough, you can see him. Apostle Paul says this, he says that the Gentiles who didn't even have the Old Testament scripture, he says they should have known that God exists because of what they saw in their everyday lives. I gave first... Service a challenge. I gave it to him at the end. Y- y'all are getting it in the middle. This week, slow down. Look around you. The existence of God does not just show itself to you on random occasions. The existence of God is prevalent in your everyday life. But we get so stinking busy. Oh, God, just give me a sign that you exist. Look up, look down. Oh, sound like Dr. Seuss. Look all around. (laughs) If you're believing, if you believe that God exists, don't pray for a sign. Look at the signs. They're all around you. The creation of man and the human body that shows God's intelligence. He is an intelligent creator. He is way smarter than any one of us. Just look at what he has done. The, the human body, the, the, the nerves that we have, the muscles that we have, the, the, the differences that we have in our eye color, our hair color, our heights, our just everything, that, that is created by God and it shows how smart he is. What about the creation of the human emotion? This shows his intelligence quite a bit. We all handle different things in our lives differently. But I believe the human emotion that God has given to you is tailored specific to you. I am not a crier unless I'm preaching. And God just He turns it on. I and a lot of times I fought it. I'm like, God, please don't make me emotional. But then I realized He made me that way for a reason. The creation of the human emotion shows God's intelligence. The creation of the landscape around you every day shows his intelligence. But most importantly, and I do mean most importantly, the creation of the plan of salvation shows how smart God is. It shows his intelligence. Not one of us could have, could have created the plan of salvation. But that shows his intelligence. Psalms 19, one through four, it says "As the heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they reveal knowledge. They have no speech. They use no words. No sound is heard from them yet. Their vo- voices go out into all the earth. Their words to the ends of the world. There is no voice. There is no speech. There is no sound, but God still exists. And you need to believe that. We believe that God is intelligent. He knows why he created us. He knows the purpose why he created us. A couple weeks, a weeks, uh, in a couple weeks, March 8th through 10th, we're going to have this world-renowned astrophysicist uh, come. He'll be in this area. He's going to come here for a, for a minute and then uh, do something here. He's going to do some stuff at St. Albans. His name's Hugh Ross. And in one of his books, he's got this statement. He says, if there is a beginning, there is a beginner. And that is God. And scripture says, in the beginning, God. It doesn't say in the beginning, maybe God, in the beginning, God, that means there is a beginning and there is a beginner and there's no way that you can misunderstand that when it's three, when it's three to four words in the beginning, God, you cannot put things in between that because there's no room for it. It says God left no doubt in the beginning. There is God. God is the beginner. Psalms 51, it says, The fool says in his heart that there is no God. So in Scripture, it tells us that God is an intelligent creator. He's intelligent because of his eternal power. Psalms 121, it says, I lift my eyes to the mountain. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of the heaven and the earth. We do a lot of beach vacations. We we go to the beach probably once a year. Um, Truth be told, I hate the beach. (laughs) But... I, I hate the sand. I hate the sun. I said in the first service, I hate the people. I didn't mean that. I, I, I hate the crowds, okay? I hate the crowds. I hate the, I, I hate the hotels. I, I hate the beach. But I love going. And the reason why is the thing that I love about it the most is when you're out setting or standing by the ocean, And you see those waves coming in. The pure, unfiltered, unrestricted power that is coming from water just like this. There's no way you can't tell me that's the power of God. Those waves coming in with so much force. I've seen them knock rock piles over. I've seen so much force that that has knocked just people over. I've seen the power from these waves come in. I am telling you, that is the power of God. And it's eternal. It's not going anywhere. So that's what he says. We need to believe in the eternal power of God. And that is who God is. God has eternal power. And then next it says, God has divine nature. Look at everything around you. Look at the trees. Look at the birds. If you want a true definition of divinity, look at his creation. If you want a true definition of divine nature of the creation of God, look at what he's done. Look at the mountains. Look at everything around you. That is divine nature. And there is nobody, and I mean nobody, that can recreate God's creation. Amen? Amen? There is nobody that can recreate what God has created and what God has done with all of eternity. There's nobody that can recreate it. So secondly, what about God? What is God like? Oh, this is... I'm glad this one is in here. God is a patient God. I am so grateful that God is a patient God because I am a stubborn human being. Don't amen that. Jeez, ow. (laughs) I am stubborn, so are all of you. Humans are stubborn individuals. So I am so grateful for a God who is patient with me. Ecclesiastes 3.11, it says this, God has made everything beautiful in whose time? In his time. He also has set eternity in the human heart, yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. I am grateful that I have a God who is patient with me. When I was growing up, I loved green vegetables. I do. I love asparagus. I love broccoli. I love uh, I love green beans when they're cooked right. I love Brussels sprouts. I love lettuce. I love all the green stuff that kids are not supposed to like. Y'all, I hate peas, with a passion. I hate peas. When I was growing up, if I did not eat my peas, I would sit at that table until I did. And my mom would sit there the entire time until I ate my peas. My mom is the most patient woman on the face of the planet. She would sit there, there was one day, I sat there for three hours and 45 minutes. And she sat there with me. And that was before cell phones, so she didn't, she wasn't scrolling Facebook or social media. You know what she was doing? She was staring right at me. (laughs) And I remember I sat there forever, I'm not eating these peas, and then I realized, Cold peas are so much more uh, worse than hot peas. <laughs> but my mom was patient with me. My mom never told me, well, if you eat them right away, they're not as bad. I had to find that out for myself. My mom was patient with me until I learned my lesson. God is the same way. God is patient with you because sometimes, sometimes it takes us a little bit, right? Sometimes it takes us a little bit to get out of our own way and realize God is being patient with us for these three reasons. Number one is we need it. God knows this. God knows that he needs to be patient with us because we are not the type of people that we learn our lesson the first try. We know that we are not the type of people that sometimes it takes us a little bit. But because of a patient God, there is hope for us Stubborn people. Why is God patient with us? Because he, he needs to be. Because we're that stubborn of people. Why else is God patient with us? Because God is patient, because this is how God shows His mercy and compassion. His mercy and compassion comes out because He's patient on us, He shows His mercy. mercy. He shows the forgiveness and he shows the compassion. He shows the love. Was my mom sitting beside me for 3 hours and 40 minutes because she wanted to? No, it's because she loved me. And I need to learn my lesson. And I need to to move on from this this petty thing that I was doing. My mom was showing me mercy and compassion at the same time. That is the exact same reason why God is patient with you. To show you that he loves you and he cares for you at the exact same time. Why else is God patient with us? Well, this is why. God is patient because we are quick to dismiss him and we are so slow to embrace him. That's hard to understand. That's hard to wrap our mind around, but God is patient because we are so quick to dismiss who God is, but we're even slower to embrace him. When you look at the story of Moses and the Ten Commandments, Moses was on the mountain, mountaintop experience. He was up there, he was in the presence of the Lord. Moses was giving these tablets of the Ten Commandments, and he walks down, he walked down from being in the presence of God. And he walks down and he sees God's people worshiping idols and, and making uh, these, these worshiping other gods, and he became impatient. As soon as he saw it, and what did he do? He, cra- he threw the, the tablets and broke them. Moses just came from a God moment. But he was so impatient with God's people that he acted out. Man, are you guys not grateful for a God that does not do this? He is so patient with us. He is so patient to his, his children. Exodus 34 Four through eight gives us an explanation of Moses. So I just told you he cracked the the tablets. What does he do after this? It says this, Exodus 34, four through eight. So Moses chiseled out two stone tablets like the first one and went up on Mount Sinai early in the morning as the Lord had commanded him. And he carried two stone tablets in his hands. Five says, then the Lord came down in the cloud and stood there with them proclaiming his name, the Lord. And he passed in front of Moses proclaiming the Lord the Lord compassionate and gracious gracious God oh listen to this slow to anger abounding in love and faithfulness maintaining love to thousands and forgiving the wickedness forgiving the rebellion and sin Yet, he does not leave the guilty unpunished. He punishes the children and their children for their sin and the parents to the third and fourth generation. Moses acted out of anger. He became impatient. And he he threw down the word of God and God was so patient with him. What did he say? He's like, okay, let's do it again. God's like, okay, you acted out. You were so impatient with, with, with the people. That's the thing that, that, that I can't wrap my mind around. He was so impatient with the people that he was bringing these commandments to that he threw down the tablets and broke them. Are we not blessed by a God that is slow to anger, that he's abounding in love and faithfulness, but most importantly, he is so gracious and he made. In Exodus 34 4, verse 7, it says this. He maintains love to thousands. And he forgives wickedness, rebellion, and sin. We have a God that is so patient with us that he loves us. He forgives us. He forgives the rebellious. He forgives the wickedness. But it also says he does not leave the guilty unpunished. God is patient until it's time not to be be patient. There's coming a day, and all the patience that God has shown, the guilty will not be unpunished. It tells us that in Scripture. It tells us that He will punish for the sins. God is impate, I'm sorry, God is patience. So that's who God is. God is a very intelligent God. If you don't believe me, look at everything around you. Look in the mirror. Look into your eyes. He's intelligent. He didn't just throw you together just to throw you together. God knew exactly what he was doing when he created you individually. God's an intelligent God. Second one, God is a patient God. He waits on you. He knows that we grow and we learn at different rates in our lives. So, in closing, what is God really like? God is really like the God that He tells us He's gonna be in Scripture. What is God really like? God is the God of forgiveness, like He tells us in Scripture He's gonna be. There is no window dressing, there is no bait and switch. What God tells us He is in Scripture is who He is. But yet, a lot of times we do what we talked about at the beginning. In the beginning, God. A lot of times we try to to put in, in the beginning, God will, maybe, if, but that is not true. In the beginning, God. That is the prime thing that God is. He is God, and he is good, Amen? amen? Heavenly Father, God, as we come to this time of response, and God, I am so grateful for your patience God, I'm I'm just talking to you, just me and you. God, I am thankful for the patience that you show me. God, I know a lot of times I don't listen to you right away. God, I know a lot of times I, I want an explanation. God, I can't act like that anymore. God, I need to know that your will for my life is greater than anything that I can build God, that's my prayer over everybody here today, that that we need to understand that God's creation was not by accident. God's creation wasn't just thrown together last minute. God's creation was created by an intelligent God that knew the needs of his people. God, that's my prayer today. If there's somebody here that, God, they don't know about who you are, about the God that we have been talking about this entire service, God, my prayer is that they see who you are. And God, that they come to you and they give their lives to you. In your glorious name, amen. Real simple. I'm just going to say it like this. Rip the band-aid off. You either believe in God or you don't. There is no middle. There's no leaning to one way or the other. You either believe in the goodness of God or you don't. If you do not, I would love to have a conversation with you. I'll be down here. I would love to lead you, to direct you, so that you know that There is a God and He loves you and He created you. Maybe that's you that you know that there's a God and you follow Him and you believe in Him, but He's wanting you to do something. He's been waiting on you for a long time and you have chosen not to move. At the beginning of the message, I told you keep moving, keep searching, keep following. Maybe that's you, that God has been waiting for you just to, to follow his will in your life. It's time. It's time to stop making excuses and to follow what God is trying to get you to start. We can do that, can't we? If that is you, you can pray at your seat or you can come up here in the front row. And... But let's enter into this time with an open heart, an open mind, knowing that God is the creator. He is the beginner. Let's stand.